I wanted to know her secret. When I first became acquainted with Rhonda Schmitz and her husband Paul, they seemed normal. They drove a normal car, they lived in a normal town, and sat in a normal seat at church. But once I heard what they were actually spending their time doing, that perception changed. Let me set the stage. When I see someone who's homeless in my town, or read an article on Facebook about the foster care system or orphan children, I'm moved. But I don't really know what to do. I really do want to help, but I don't know how. So imagine my interest when I met a woman who has found a phenomenal way to actually do something about it. At the least likely time in her life, Rhonda found herself the new mother of three little girls under the age of five straight out of the foster care system. She also reacted way better than some of us would when her husband told her he wanted to build a shower truck on wheels and bring it to the homeless in downtown Nashville. The outcome of both have been stunning. And I got to sit across from her and get her story. How can you and I be a woman who rocks at life like this? We'll get one step closer in today's episode. I'm Rebe, and this is the Non-Exclusive Podcast. Rhonda and Paul had six high school-age kids under their roof. They had tasted the freedom of having mostly grown-up kids and were so close to being done with the child-rearing stage. But something in them said this wasn't over. They had talked about adoption and felt the Lord might be leading them in that direction. Another boy would fit great in their family, a family who loves football. So they started the process and looked into domestic adoption. That's when they got the call. It was nothing like they expected. I'll let Rhonda tell it from here. They called us the very next day. They're like, you know what, you guys, because most of our children were older, so they knew we knew how to raise them. And they said this little family just was literally the day before their her birth mother had given them right up, you know, and signed the papers and everything. And there were three little girls, and they wanted to keep them together. And my first original thought was, oh, my gosh, three? Like, And they were little, like they were five and they were three and a little Izzy would barely just turn two. And that's like from high school to that, like that was totally starting over. And plus they were girls and there were three and I was going, what? That's a big undertaking. It was so big. And I thought, okay, God, what? That's not nothing what we asked for. (laughs) Did you not hear me? (laughs) Boy who played football. But, um, we we said, okay, we'll pray about it. We'll kind of, you know, go to the next step, see what we need to do. And, and Paul had said, we need to just take a look at their pictures, take a look at their, you know, bio and kind of see what, you know, they're about. Because we understood the process of wanting to keep them together. And um, we saw their pictures and they were so tiny. I remember looking at them going, oh my gosh, like if we, if we... And, I'm not saying somebody else wouldn't, but if we don't, like, how, what if they split them up? And all these things are going through my head. And I thought, I don't think that we could be at that moment, like, it just hit us, like, okay, this is it. These are our girls. No matter what, you know, we have to do. And no matter what we go through, you know, we're getting old. We were all laughing, like, we'll be 60 <laughs> times the year because I'm graduate. So we'll be walking down the cane, you know, to the aisle and everything. And it was, um, but I think that when we, we, you know, prayed about it and we said, and it just, they were part of our family after that. And so we started the process 
process and we met them and then our hearts melted and it was overwhelming I'm not gonna lie because they were three just the same age who had never had a normal home so they were wild and they were you know a little bit like when we would get visitation with them at the foster home I think that really threw me off a lot because just all these kids running around and everyone wanting attention and just the girls just sitting on my lap and I mean I felt bad for everybody you know all of them but we knew in our hearts at that time that that was our girls so the process for that took about six months and then they moved in on Christmas Eve it was like yes such a wonderful story it was Christmas Eve night and they were like Jade had to finish kindergarten before they would let her you know the semester of it and we packed up everything our tree and we just had a most wonderful Christmas Eve and then they were ours and and it's almost like now I couldn't imagine without him but we do laugh and go back to that moment where we were like three you know and we've had our moments believe me where we go three you know on that end but yeah they were like your little it Christmas present it was a very present. big Christmas present yes and That's it was amazing. yes they, we had we had I had matching pajamas and like of course you know I probably have matching clothes up until they tell me no they're going to match let me just tell you and I always laugh and they don't seem to mind it and everybody's like Rhonda really and I'm like just one more year one more year and um but yeah they we had a great Christmas that year all the other kids were home you know and everything which is probably one of the last or you know second last and everything where we were all together mm-hmm. so now how many other kids did you guys have that were, were already yes. you know high school we have um now uh, probably at that time we had six left at home um we had a senior a junior and little miss macy was probably the youngest of all of them she was um right about entering her freshman or sophomore year at that time and everything okay. so she had basically i mean they were all high school they were you know we were mm-hmm. able to go do what we wanted to do when we wanted to do it but the family really rallied to be honest with you with this and every Everybody was like, we can't ever leave. And, you know, we just got to do it. Like, it's it. And I really think God did put them in our lives. And at the moments when it seems harder, you know, when they're together or, you know, they're like you got the three and we just go, it's, it is, it's okay. It's just us, you know, and this is us. We always love it. This is us, you know. What are their names? Remind um, me. It's Jade. Yeah, Jade is the oldest. She's now 12. Um, Alexis is um, 10 and then little Izzy's nine, but she probably acts the oldest <laughs> if you've ever met her. So she's like, she's like way above. We're like, oh goodness, you know, so. So what was that first night like for them? Like, do they ever look back on it? You know, they looked back. It was the night that we had everyone over, and I think they were a little well, but they were happy at the same time. Of course, they had presents, and they had people hugging them, and they had lots of treats, and they were like, this is the best Christmas ever, you know? And then at that time, too, I thought what it was like for them before, like without that, you know? So... I think that was the first time they really realized, hey, this, you know, is it for us. And they, I think they also thought it was going to be one big party, though, for a long, <laughs> long time because there were so many of us. And, and at the time when we had to settle down and, like, be like, okay, things, you know, are different. We're going to start doing, trying to get into a pattern. They were like, wait, we're, you know, on that because they had never been in a routine. They'd never had anyone tell them what to do. They'd never had to brush their teeth, get up for, you know, it was just a whole thing for them as well. And Jade was five, you know, and everything. So it was a bit of an adjustment for them at first I remember one we had got their bedroom set up and we had bought the you know the we bought a playhouse bed like just the I mean I went out I mean my poor other kids were like really mom those like, are the best I know like I every kid they, wants yeah, those and they're so cute and it was the cutest little girly house and they were just in awe of it because they'd never had you know kind of like they just never had a bedroom they never had this stuff to themselves and I remember one time laying them all down they were in a nap and I just went about my business and I heard some giggling and then I thought oh that's you know and I went in there and I just forgot the stage of life where they had crayons and they had colored all over 
everything. And we're talking before oh. I caught them. The walls, the bed, the floor, anything they could color. And they thought it was, they're like, look what we did. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're kind of like going, darn, I forgot where you put the crayons away and you got to just kind of start over and everything. And that was always a really big step for us. And I think probably the second one that was really good was when our little one graduated kindergarten because she literally was, gra- I mean, they had kindergarten graduation, which first of all, <laughs> upset Paul because their, their, their little outfit was $60 and Tanner's, who was graduating high school the same year, was 25 So he's like, I am not paying $60 for this little, and, I mean, we did, but it was just, he was he complained the whole time. But it was funny. You're like, just do it. You know, it's their first one. It's so cute and everything. And when she graduated, we just thought she was so sweet and so, and she just waved to us. And when I remember that day, I still go, it was like, she was like, hi, mom, hi, dad. And she was so proud of herself at that moment. It was kindergarten, you know, she didn't know. But it was like, it was so perfect for us and everything. Because at that moment, we thought she was proud, too. So that was a really big moment for us. And the whole family, we were all crying. And we're mm-hmm. like, and then somebody was like, it's kindergarten. And we're like, oh, yeah, it's kindergarten. <laughs> it's you like, know? no, like, but you don't understand. Exactly. Yeah, and it's home. <laughs> and you see all these people look around, and they're like, what a weird family, you know. <laughs> Do they ever ask questions or like look back or like they were young enough no, that maybe not? They don't. Actually, there we had a kind of a closed hearing. We actually had to change their names from when they were little. We had to um, do the birth certificate over. It really looks like I just whipped out three kids right in a row. <laughs> and I always laugh going, oh goodness. Um, but we had to do all of that. And their parents come from a different state. They've moved states and stuff. So they have birth brothers and sisters, which is um, I think at some point they're going to want to, but they don't remember the oldest one was Jade she's blocked a lot like that she doesn't remember her birth parents as much as she remembers the foster care but to be honest with you she does remember a family that was going to adopt them it was a single it was a mom and they didn't have any children so mom and dad with no children Um, and of course they got all three coming straight from foster care and then finally figured out like after only two weeks that she couldn't handle them you know and she gave them back and Jade will always talk about that how that you know remember when that lady gave me back and I mean that's like she remembers that out of everything and that was her pain going you know they didn't want us and everything so she asked about that so that's as far back as her memory can really take her in the foster care home they've got uh like we've got some baby pictures of her, not a lot. And her birth mom, they were taken when she was nine months old for neglect and everything. So, and they tried to integrate her back in, but it was like very like weekends here, weekends there. And then she had Lexi, and Lexi was taken automatically from her. So they don't have a lot of that time with them and everything. So sure. That they sure. remember. How cool though that you're able to like combat that, especially for Jade, and be like, yeah look we're yeah. gonna keep you yes and th- and that was it and, and that was I said that was God just preparing you and us for you know our families to be together forever you know of course you say the forever family and everything like a that a big moment for her when, but it, you know it took her a long time we had went out to lunch one um, week after church with some friends and and the girls were new and everybody loved them and I remember they were sitting there and one of the guys one of the men at the table had said you know you guys are so cute I'm just gonna take you home with me and Lexi just all had a freak out like a Aww. major meltdown going no no 
no, we're theirs, we're theirs. And so little things like that triggered them a lot in the beginning, probably the first year, because they were like, and they were like, no, no, we're just kidding. You know, like they didn't get any of that yet. And now they're like, now they'd be like, okay, we're going. You know, like they get that it's okay to come back. You know, that was hard. And But past that, they, there's really not a lot of memories. And they did say, you know, maybe something later in life will trigger or something like that. So we are prepared, but we don't have pictures. We don't have a lot of that. And we're going to have to answer at some point. So at some point she will have questions and they'll try, they'll figure that part out, you know? So sure. We'll be Sounds ready. like she set up well. Yeah. That's we awesome. Yeah, we hope, we hope. What would you say is the biggest thing that God has taught you through the adoption process or maybe how you've changed? I think for me, a lot of it in my life has been being content no matter what circumstances I'm in because there's some days when we get tired and we got to keep going and we've got to go to the, you know, the 25th parent teacher conference that we've ever been to and we're like, oh, we don't even care. <laughs> you know, like we're really yes. those parents. But I think that we have to give each one, I've learned, you know, each one that same individual attention and all of that. And I feel like God's given me a peace with everything that even though it's a different stage and it's a different time of life for us, that I can be content and it's, this is my life. Like it's not maybe mapped out like what I thought maybe at the age of 48, you know, but I didn't really have a plan. So to me, it's like, that's what it is. It's, it's my plan, you know? So I think just being content really, honestly, no matter what, you know, and our friends are doing this or they're doing that. And I'm like, this is, this is who we are. So I've really learned that. And we're, and I think we really do have that aspect of like, we're that different family with all these kids. And I, and I, I hear that so much, but it's like, it's true. We are to the outside side eye, but it's also who we are, you know, so I look at it like that. Being content no matter what. Even if your friends are doing this or doing that and you feel totally different, this is who you are. This is what God has for you. I don't know about you, but that's a secret to success I definitely want to take to heart daily. And as if that's not already inspiring enough, we're going to talk to Rhonda about the incredibly out-of-the-box ministry she and her husband started and what it was like when he came to her with this crazy idea to build a shower on wheels right after this. Which is better, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter? Good news! We have all of them. Find non-exclusive podcast on your favorite social media place today. If you like what you heard, rate us on iTunes. Five stars would be awesome and would help us out a ton. But really, your honest thoughts are very valuable to us. Like, really, we would love to know what you think. I started this episode saying I wanted to know Rhonda's secret to success. Her secret to doing something incredible with her life. We got to some really cool secrets in part two of the interview. We have been with the homeless and serving them, even back in Kansas before we moved to Nashville. I'd say going on about nine years now, honestly. Wow. Nine years, and we literally started, we had read Crazy Love by Francis Chan, and we thought, you know what? We love people, we love our family, we, we are so engrossed in ourselves, but we don't take a look on the outside world, and there's as much as we don't, there's people who have less than us. And that book really convicted us if we're doing enough, honestly, so. I had kind of grown up every now and then with church going to like the soup kitchen and you know doing stuff so I said hey you know what I loved doing that I said 
let's just go feed the homeless. And we're like, where do you find the homeless? You know, we're like, <laughs> we're, like we're downtown, sure. And and it was so funny because we, we made sack lunches with our little girls and our family. And we would we drove downtown after church on a Sunday one day and we just looked around for a homeless person or who we thought was homeless. Sometimes they weren't even homeless. And we tried to offer them a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, and we would say, hey, we've got this. But we literally was rolling down the street in our little minivan, you know, and we'd roll the window down and we'd throw it out the window and, and you know just hand it to them and they would take it and everything and we we did that for several weeks in a row and then we felt like hey God's con- I mean that's good but he's convicting us even more like we're really still not doing a whole lot we're feeding them but we're basically throwing it at them you know and, and, and then moving on about our business so we started getting out of the car and we would go to the same spot because they kind of expected I mean like they kind of know where to go honestly they're very smart and they knew we'd be there every Sunday so we started getting out and we kind of just stood there awkwardly and give them the lunches at that point and then it just evolved into hey my name's you know Rhonda um, what's your name and then talking with them and then we um, our lunches grew and it grew to 25 and then we would get a pile of people so we started getting our uh, small group involved who they would come with us and then it ended up being where we fed before we left Kansas 250 people every week wow. every week we would your minivan every, yeah, yeah it's <laughs> our minivan let me just tell you a stack full of hot dogs and potato chips and they would literally call us the hot dog people and that just kind of came about because we served them one day and they're like oh these are so good and I thought what it's a hot dog <laughs> but um then it just evolved and then we did so we did hot dogs and hamburgers every weekend and um so we, and then we would give them and then we started giving clothes and we started just really building relationships and at, at that moment in that time of our lives that really just changed everything for us because we felt that that was exactly what we were supposed to be doing with our lives and the people that we met um, they had stories and they were people and they were like and I think until we met that time in our like that person like we never even understood that whole population and and people in general as much as we did during that time and getting to know them what was it like that first day you decided to get out of the minivan oh my gosh like (laughs) it was so awkward we're so funny because we're still in our church clothes you know, and we had our little, and I'll never forget, we had our little coats on, you know, and, you know, we got our gloves on because it was cold at the time and got our gloves on and, and, and I mean, and these people are just looking at us like, you know, and when I look back, I go, how silly were we, you know, because I don't, we didn't know, like we did at the time what we knew, but I mean, we weren't, we weren't being warm, like they didn't really feel like they could talk to us, you know, but they knew they could get their food and we would say, hey, you know, but that's all we knew to like, that's all at the time we were saying. And it makes me laugh because, you know, it's like, but that's where you start too. And I tell people that you have to start somewhere and they change you. You're not changing them. They're changing you on that. And that was my biggest concept was how they changed our lives and that still goes to this very day when I talk to volunteers and that's why I mean you know even with shower up it's not about them it's not about us it's about you and what you're going to get through this ministry on that so yeah I mean that's just it like you you started Oh yeah. <laughs> so many of us don't oh. even start or don't know how to start. Yeah, and that's the thing. We hear that all the time. I every Monday still when we go down, we hear I didn't know what to do until you we give them a bridge to jump onto. And when we started this ministry in our hearts, we and we prayed about this. We said, "You know what, God? This is not just for us at all. It's it, honestly none of it was about us. It's about 
getting those people showers first of all but then it's about the people who will come on board and who will volunteer because that's the lives they'll change just as much and when you see a homeless person or you see someone on the streets everyone has this judgment and everyone has this vision of why that person's there now 75 percent of the time that could be right the other time you know even up to 50 it's not always about the drugs and the alcohol it's about one circumstance in life you know one thing a divorce a bad job pay cut you know losing their job losing their family like I've met a guy who lost his entire family in a car wreck and it it wrecked him. He couldn't do anything after that. And he just, he, he lost everything because of that. And that, and that's the stage of life that none of us want to be in. But when you find yourself, you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how that would affect you and everything. So it's changed judgment for a lot of people on that. I think when we left Kansas, that was probably one of the hardest things we'd ever done. That ministry actually still takes place, and people still do that back in Kansas. So even with us, and that was what we wanted. Like, we, it's I don't ever want to feel like it's about us. It's always about what you leave and what people can do and taking it on for other people so they can go on and do the same things. talked about shower up a little but we yeah. didn't get to like what it was like to actually start it like oh my goodness that yeah. idea even came from and I, I remember Paul talking about Paul. it yeah and so he kind of caught this vision so what did you yes. think when he came um, to you and was like I want to start a mobile shower uh, yes <laughs> honestly I was like oh crud and, <laughs> and I'll tell you the reason why is because Paul as you know is a fundraiser so and we have served the homeless for so long and and we had talked about the shower thing we're like man where can they find showers at in my head I was thinking we could find some place to give them a shower like a church building that would open their you know church or something like this and he, he kept saying I don't know he goes I think there's more and I didn't ever think about this and then one Sunday morning, he woke up and he said, God's really telling me we need to create a mobile shower truck. And I was like, what? And I, and I literally thought, oh, goodness, because I knew in my head that was going to be involved going to ask people for more money. <laughs> you know, and in our world, we ask for donations for the homeless. We ask for, you know, and which our friends and everybody we know is so wonderful about that. And that's what they liked for us to put a need out there and they could respond to. But this was bigger. This was like, we're going to ask to build a truck. A, we have no idea how to do this like at the time we were like we're like how do you build a truck I have no idea how to do that and where do we get the truck and how do you drive a truck and that was my thought really how do I I can really drive a car in this town how am I going to drive a truck you know honestly I left that part up to him I said if you can make it happen I'm behind you we went to our group that we serve with on Monday nights which is people loving Nashville that we've served along beside them forever and we said this is what we want and they're like oh my gosh yeah this is wonderful um, and we prayed about it and literally that was in the end of August and we said we're going to do this um, we had to file a non-profit paperwork or whatever I thought 501c3 is what it's called I don't even I, this see this is the part I have no idea what it I'm like whatever the paperwork is supposed to be <laughs> um, Paul filled it out we went out of town as a, on a work trip and um, we came back we had the we literally had the papers in our hand it hadn't even been two weeks and we were told that almost never happens so we were blown away we're like oh my gosh we have the paperwork so then we were like now what Paul went on to say we got to start figuring out how we're going to get the truck. We got to find a truck and start
start raising funds for that. We put a lot of our money in, and then it was November, I think, by this time, and it was it came time for like Giving Tuesday and all of that stuff. And we, that was our first fundraiser. Paul took the day off work, and he's like, "We're just going to go for it." And you know, and by then, most of our friends had kind of known what we were doing, and we really put the name out there. And then I remember Paul said, "Okay, we're going to start Giving Tuesday." And then we woke up, and we'd put a little profile on, and we kind of told what we wanted to do, and we had zero dollar. I mean, of you know, regular funds in the fundraiser at that time. And um, we woke up and there were people donating from all over the world. And we're like, what happened? Like, where did this come from? And we started looking. And I remember he was so excited because he kept going, oh, my gosh, we got another one from, you know, New York. And we got another one. And we're like, how do these people know about us? And still to this day, I don't really know how they knew about us. I don't know if it was the Facebook fundraiser. Like, that was so confusing to me. And I remember going to work and I remember him just texting me every time saying, we got another one, we got another one. And... That was November. By December, um, I think the middle of December, we had enough money to buy the truck. And we had found a truck, and, um, you know, we had to, it was in Connecticut, so we had to kind of do the whole over-the-phone bartering or whatever, you know, people do, I don't know, when they're buying a truck. And um, I remember saying it was a really nice truck, it was a good deal. And then, so we waited, because we had to do during Christmas break for Paul to be able to go get it, and we lost it. Like, it was a truck that we just, they were like, someone already bought it out for money, and I'm like, oh, man, and we were really bummed about that. So we started looking again, and someone had heard that we were looking and given us a call, and this guy in Connecticut. Connecticut had the truck and it was a bigger truck it was a lower price and we were actually able to in our heads put another shower in it so we were like what and Paul drove down there and we got this truck from this guy who thought what we were doing you know was really cool and and again it started from way back then where people catch the vision they're like this is awesome and you know this can really be done and I can be a part of it you know no matter how small or how big of course the Lee company outfitted it and that was a story in itself you know where Paul had went in there to the meeting that day and kind of said this is what we got I just need you to design the truck for me I need you to tell us how to do this you know in a professional manner because what we wanted was to give our homeless friends the same kind of shower that we would want to take one in you know like we didn't want to just throw something out there like because that was always in our head from the hot dogs you know and from the sack lunches we want to treat them like we want to be treated you know but again we didn't know how to do that so uh they totally said we can do that. They go, but you know, we yeah, we can do this note bar. We got a story for you, and they went down um, and called on like the vice president or you know another big guy at Lee Company, and they had said this guy two weeks ago had literally had a dream. He came to me and said I had a dream that Lee Company was going to build a shower truck, and the whole room was like so quiet, and they're like what? And they're like so this is Paul, and he's just came to us and he wants to build a shower truck, so the whole room like. It it was crazy because you've got this whole room full of guys in these suits and everybody's crying and we're like we're and then in that moment everyone's like we're gonna build a shower truck we're gonna do this and and after that moment we stepped aside literally for like two months and they took over and um they got donations and they got people who donated stuff and they built our shower truck three great showers they did a fantastic oh job oh my gosh so wonderful like it looks so like wonderful. this really beautiful little homey yes. a bathroom that yes. i would go in like in my house or in yes. an airbnb or something yep, exactly it's so awesome when i remember first seeing it and i remember the guys that work on it and they would ask us to come up like once a week and we can kind of check it out we, uh, thursday nights would be our special night we would have a like small group where we'd go down there and we'd all be like oh my gosh and we got to see the progress but alongside of that again we got to see the 
workers who got to work on it, who had so much pride in this truck and how it changed them. And again, it wasn't about us. It wasn't about, it was like, they, they were so excited by this project. And these are men, you know, who get down and dirty and they were like, this was great. And they worked around the clock and they told me about their families and we got to know them and I'd take them cupcakes and donuts all the time. <laughs> and we would just sit and talk. And when it was done, it was not, not just us. It was all of those hard workers. And I remember that last night, they had literally, because we had the launch party, they had worked so hard and everything. And I remember the next day waking up and seeing all the Facebook posts of all those workers who said, this is what we did and this is what's going to happen. And I'm so proud. And I thought, again, there's God right there, just working in each individual life, you know, putting this whole thing together. Yeah, you were saying you were like bewildered that people from other states were coming in and who all jumped in like it honestly doesn't surprise me because like I said we see homeless people yeah, all the time and yeah. it's sad and you don't know what to do and you think I should help them like I know I should but I don't have any cash on me yeah. and even if I did it would be five dollars I would just be handing it to them and moving on with my life yeah. like that feels sad too yeah. you know and then all of a sudden like there. you and Paul come along and say like hey like we need this because we're trying to do something bigger yeah. you know and like something that will actually make a difference and of course I would help yeah. with that it all it all of a sudden just makes it tangible well and that's the thing so many people coming because what you we couldn't do what you did we couldn't have made that launch video that was awesome (laughs) we couldn't have done that like it's like oh my gosh look and that took care of that you know and God's placed everything in order for us and honestly we could have closed our eyes and and this thing would have happened and this is where we say God does what he set out to do he put that on my husband's heart and he you know and he said you know sit back and enjoy the ride and really we're still doing that we're still (laughs) doing that so it's crazy absolutely crazy Kenneth um, had, um, and I'm not so, like, like after effects of the war, you know, military, I don't know. Yeah, PTSD, like a PTSD. Is, yes, yes, yeah. that's it. I was like, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, and, I, and he also had um, some stuff, you know, just couldn't be around people. Another guy who couldn't be around people, he came, like, probably the second time we were out, actually, only, and he had his dog with him, and his dog's name was Jade, and our little girl was named Jade, and she loved that, and and he wouldn't talk a whole lot, but he's like, I just want to shower, and he looked kind of mean and kind of angry a little bit, and you, and we've seen those people, so we know not to push. We gave him a shower. Then he came back the second week, and he wanted another shower, and at that moment, he just talked, you know, because he knew, he sees familiar faces, and that's what we always try to be there, but you know, and some of our volunteers, the same ones, because that's familiar, you know, to them. Um, and he started talking and he told us he lived in the woods in a tent and 49 days since he'd been able to take a shower because we live in Nashville, you guys, there's a lot of people here. There's less than 12 places where they could take a shower. Are you kidding me? Like of all Nashville, that's the best we can do. Like to me, that blew me away. And he, he didn't get showers and he lived in the woods and he's like, there's nowhere to take it. So he, he came and, um, he took a shower, loved it and came probably the next four times. And then one day he came the fifth time, I think it was and said, well, I won't be back, you know, next week I won't be able to see you. I can't stay very long. And we were 
you're like, whoa, Kenneth, what's going on? Because usually that means they're moving on to another site or something like that. And he had gotten himself a job. Kenneth had got, we were like, what? Kenneth worked at Boot Barn. And we're like, first of all, that's a hard job. So I was like, well, you know, selling boots. I mean, you know, maybe I would think it'd be hard um, downtown. And um, he'd got a job. And he's like, I got a shower. I got myself cleaned up. And I went and got myself a job. And that blew everyone away. And we're like, Kenneth, and he was so happy. And he was smiling. And he went on about his business. And honestly, if we see him now, very little. And that's just if he got off or he's, you know, in between. And we haven't seen him since then. So it's crazy. Did you have that. this moment of, like, it actually worked? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, whoa. You know, that's this is what it was meant to be. You know, yes. just to kind of change a little person's life, you know. And he did. And, and, I, and I don't know whether he's still there. Like, I don't know. You know, we don't see him. But at that moment... And, we're good, you know, and Kenneth was happy and he was so excited and he said he had a place for his dog and everything like that. So that was a, that for Shower Up, that was a huge moment. And I think um, other than that is the women that we come across. Women on the street are always at risk to, for so many things. Um, and when we started this, project, I said, the only thing I'm asking is that we're not putting them in side-by-side showers where men can, A, turn the corner and see them, have access to them, or taunt them or haunt them or anything that meant, and I'm not saying that that would happen, but I mean, I just knew that it would happen. You know what I'm saying? That it could happen. Um, so I said, I want a woman to go into these showers and feel like she's safe for those few moments where she can actually shower and be taken care of herself and, you know, and feel okay. And that's what these are. So when I visit these women and after they're done, they're like, oh my gosh, it's like a relief. You see the relief just come off people and you're like, I've never felt better. Now we're in the hot season too. You know, Nashville's hot. We're sticky. Like we know. So I get that feeling, you know, and I'm like, I do this every day, you know, and for them to say once a week, you know, and everything. So I'm really blessed in the way that when I see a lady come out and smile and be like, you know what, this was good. And I'm like, yes, this is good. You know, so to me that's everything okay you and Paul already seem like you make a really good team and that just like solidifies it even more (laughs) for me because like he had like the vision and you were like we're making this like actually welcoming and like you're able to think of those details I wanted something where when that person stepped into the shower for those few minutes it was like a home to them and it was like this is you know good so they get their little shower kit which is soap which is what everyone's donated we haven't had to provide any of that you should see my garage it's up to (laughs) here I walk out and I'm like oh goodness so much stuff but that comes from our city and our friends and everybody who's heard about this and God's put so much we can probably shower the rest of national for two years and not have to worry about anything, you know, as far as that part goes. <laughs> That's amazing. That, so, yeah. If, if someone's listening and she's thinking about taking a leap, looking into adoption, actually adopting, starting a ministry, jumping into a new ministry, you know, any type of big step that's outside of your comfort zone, but that might actually make a difference. What would you say to them? First of all, you pray. You get on your knees and you pray and you say, God, show me what you want me to do. And you tell me how you want me to do this. And God will open up ways for you to see. Um, I would do that and I would talk to someone um, that you're close to and bounce that idea of what you're thinking, you know, and you could say, this is what I'm feeling like, cause they might have ideas for you or they might know, Hey, guess what? This is where you can plug in and start. And then I say, you find a place or something who's doing that and start, you know? Um, and I like investigating it even like, Hey, okay, I want to feed the homeless. So I, okay. Let's find a group who's already doing that. Um, and then if you want to adopt, Hey, let me speak to a mom who's already adopted or a father who's, you know, some 
somebody in your community who's done that. Um, and then you decide exactly what it is you want, you know, and how you can be involved in whatever it is project you're doing. And if it's adoption, then you take the leap, you know, and you say this is if be sure and you're even a little and you can start it honestly it's what your heart feels listen to your heart and listen to god <laughs> always <laughs> yes. i'm yes. always yeah <laughs> so it just takes a little yeah a little bit of sureness to jump uh, yeah. in you and, won't and, have to be honestly, all the way prepared you're never going to be 100 sure because to this day i'm ne- i'm not 100 sure even when the truck was rolling out i had that fear and and again it's it's your society like oh my gosh what are people going to think you know because now we've got this truck and you know it's in our driveway and um, um, that wasn't so pretty for the neighborhood, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and I always have a nagging fear, but at the same time, I know that that's what God has done in our lives. And again, this is us, you know, this is who we are. So I think you have to be sure of yourself in your place that you, you know what you want to do. a lot of women today in today's societies we look at ourselves as mothers and we look at ourselves as wives and we look at ourselves in that place and we don't always jump to be the change that we think that we can be we feel like we have a certain place and and that was me you know, like you know my place is to raise the children and to do all that but guess what you can have that and all of that I think when you feel a tug in your heart to want to do something don't let your circumstance in life change who you are or don't to stop you is what I'm trying to say if you feel it then you can get your family on board if you want to you know if it's something you want to speak to other people about it because women are some of the biggest world changers so we're the slowest ones to get started I think a little bit because we are but I, I do say we're the biggest some That's of the biggest so, I important. Say. so yeah yes for sure definitely we play a vital role yes And how do your little girls like helping? Oh my gosh, they love it. To them, serving in this capacity is almost like everyday part of their lives. And they get down there and they have cleaned the bathrooms for us. They know exactly how to stock everything. They do the shower kits, you know. They don't know anything else, you know, honestly. So it's, and that's a thing too for their, like we have small groups who come down with smaller children. They say, well, my child is only this age. I'm like, you know what, bring them. I guarantee you they can do something. Thing. And for a little child that much, they don't know the difference between, a, you know, that person on the street or us. It's amazing to see everyone interact. So when you go down to the homeless on Monday night and you see everyone, there, you'll see people playing, you know, chop games. You'll be seeing people play card games. You'll be seeing people paint nails, cut hair. Everyone doing what they want to do and everyone's just hanging out. You know, that community for the homeless is while well, they're all taking showers. I look back sometimes and I'll sit on the sidewalk and I'll just look around and I'll go, I love it. Like that's my, what's my heart sings. It's like, this is what I love, you know, and everything. So making so many people just at that one moment in those two hours feel like they're loved and that they're a friend, which they totally are. And that they've got a community of people who actually love them. So what's her secret? First, you pray. You get on your knees and you pray. Then tell someone you know about what's going on in your heart. 
You only have to be a little sure to start, and you'll be surprised how much of a difference you can make. Rhonda, you're incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, the slow starters, but the biggest world changers. Since this interview, Paul and Rhonda have begun work on securing a second shower truck to expand their ministry. You can follow along with the amazing stories and the progress of this venture on Facebook and Instagram at Shower Up Nashville. I love following them and just seeing the stories, the fun, the life change that happens every week with their ministry. You can also get information on how to volunteer if you're in Nashville, Tennessee, and what kind of items to donate from their Facebook and Instagram and at showerup.org. And of course, you can go to their website or Facebook page to donate anytime. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Proverbs 4:12 and 13.